With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. Well, let me let me ask you let me ask you a tough question, Gio. And I know you're gonna be gonna give us the politically correct answer here, but try and do your best. Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart, you know, listen, don't shake your head. Okay, just just answer it honestly. You know, you can you're you're a good speaker. I'm not quite so much. I just lose my shit. But <laughs> describe to me why that didn't work. Geo, like, listen, I mean, you have been a captain in Montreal, a storied franchise for, for five years before you came here to Buffalo. They brought you in for your leadership. They brought Josh Georges in for his leadership. They tried to s- surround this, this young, talented hockey player in Jack and Sam Reinhardt and, and described me and what your thought, because we've never actually talked about you in particular, and when you played here with him, um, tell me why that didn't work out. Why your thoughts that didn't work out? There, there's lots of there's lots of reasons. I'm not going to pin it on Jack. I'm not going to pin it on Sam or the likes of guys like that. Listen, the organization was not in the right position to be successful. So with that is your daily habits, and that starts from your your GM, your coaching staff, your players, it, it just, it all builds on top of each other. And so when you're coming from a New Jersey where we had a ton of success, uh, Lou, he keeps things tight. Montreal was, it's the Mecca of hockey ribs, you know, Van, you know, like it's a hard place to play, but you are given all the opportunities you, you can. Right. And so, yep. um, I come to Buffalo it wasn't the right general manager. It wasn't the right coaching staff. It wasn't the right players, mix of players to start to create a culture. And what I mean by that is it's, there wasn't enough of the guys pulling in the right direction that could make enough of an influence. Well, I'll we were, say it when we your were, GM, we were, when we your were, GM's we were, at the bar later than everybody no, else, but, that becomes a bit of an issue. Yeah. But if he, if he, listen, if he comes and he does his work and he's, he's good at what he does, that shit doesn't matter, right? Like that's lifestyle. Just like, like plenty of players, they have lifestyle issues. Does it catch up with them? Yes, but they, they can still come to the rink and perform. That wasn't the, it wasn't the sole issue, right? Like you, you, you need to build it around good people, people that care about each other, people that uh, know the right and wrong things to do and how to it's about consistency in this league, right? Like you need to be consistent day in and day out. And how do you do that? It's by preparing the right way. It's about uh, playing the game the right way. It's about giving yourself the best odds to succeed. And so when I came to Buffalo, none of this was in in place. I don't know what it was like before. I can't speak to that. 
Um, but it just wasn't the right timing. And that, that included the guys in the room. That included your, your Jack Eichels and your Sam Reinhardt's. Extremely young. That doesn't mean they're not going to figure it out like Ovi figured it out later in his career. That's not – it just – the timing was not right for the mix of players that were there. We were outnumbered. The guys that had been around, the veteran guys, we were outnumbered. We didn't – our voice was not as strong as it could have been if you had the majority in that room pulling the right way, right? Now you got 18 guys pulling the right way and two guys aren't pulling their shit. They're either gone or they, they catch the group. We're the opposite. The group was pulling in the wrong direction, and all of us guys that had known, could see it, do it, you're pulling this rope, and you can't do anything about it. There's three, four, well, five of you, you to turn that tide. It, it just doesn't happen. And so when – what happens, right? Like it's bitching comes into play, right? Like you're bitching about something. That guy bitches, and now all of a sudden you got a group of 12, 15 guys that are bitching about something and worried about things that you can't either control or that don't matter. You know what I mean? Like in the, in the scheme of things. So let me ask you something, Gio, this is, I, 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 I look at that time and was Ryan O'Reilly an issue? Ryan O'Reilly was at the rink. Unbelievable guy. Okay. So puts in the work, does the, does the stuff. So, so an excellent guy, with a great attitude, yeah. loves the game of hockey, does the extra on the ice. You've got, you know, Brian Gianta, like you just keep Marcus Felino, Matt Molson, Gergensen, like there was a David Legwan, an older guy that had been in the room for a long time. Then you got young guys. Jack okay, I, so you, Sam, you have. Can I say something too quick, though? Hold up. Uh, Gio, when you got there, who was the longest tenured saver? If you can, I, I, I can't think of it because I, I do remember when I got traded to I the mean, Islanders, I came back and played there with Cody Hodgson, Gergens, Gergensons. Was Mike Weber uh, there? Weber was there. Ristolainen, uh, maybe? Yeah, but yeah, those, those guys had only been there for two, three years, right? Like those, At the time, they had not been there all that Tyler long. Tyler Ennis. And Ennis. that's the... I, I and again, I'll chime in. I mean, I got traded about four months later. It was my first game back in Buffalo, and I got booed or whatever. But I look at the line, you know, before the game, there's a lineup chart, and I'm like, I'm going through this lineup chart of the Sabers. I'm like, holy shit! I just got, I just left here after ten years, and four months later, there's like four guys in the lineup that I played with. <laughs> I yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What what team is this? Like, what happened? But there's a lot of you, right? Like that Millsy and Palmer and right. all those guys that had been there for years were now no longer around, right? And I think so. that is hard when guys like O'Reilly come in and then Gio comes in. I mean, they're supposed to be the leaders, but on a new team, like you don't like, okay, I give you a good example. When I went to Detroit, I knew Detroit wasn't very good, but I was like, okay, this is going to be a good fit for me to give my kind of my, my career another chance of playing. And I walked in that locker room and within a day, I'm like, wow, what a culture. This is a losing team right now, but what a culture. But wow. big difference, right? You got the Zetterbergs, the Cronwalls have been there for a long time. So these young kids know from day one, this is how we're going to play. And that team is going to turn it around, which they are already. I, I think mean, they are. They're looking good, man. And, but again, it's because guys stuck around for that long to help the organization in the future. Yeah. And, and 
there's there's groups, right? There's your bottom group that you need to change that aren't good for the group. There's your top group that is really good. Now you have that middle group that can go either way. Who do they connect with? Who do they get drawn by? Unfortunately, those those middle guys got drawn the wrong way. And so now you're completely outnumbered, right? So yeah. It's it was just the wrong timing. It was guys young, guys listen, did did I feel old, did I feel not uh, did I feel overly um respected? Not necessarily. You know what I mean? Like like what you say you can tell when a guy is listening and he, and, and I'm not looking for respect. I'm not, I'm not sitting there like I've played freaking 900 games. You better sit there and listen to what I have to say. But you know, when you're trying to talk and you're talking about certain things, whether a guy is tuning you out or he's not, you know what I mean? And there's just way too much of that when I was there. Man, I want to, I want to ask you something cause you, you brought it up and I, 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 you haven't been on since then, but I know we've messaged about it in our group chat you mentioned getting booed when you came back to Buffalo. Do you remember how did you play that night? Do you remember what your your the whole night was like? What was it like coming back? Like you can actually relate to what Jack Eichel went through that night he came back and I don't want to talk about Jack, but I want to talk about the return, you know? Like how was your day? What was the media like? Do you remember the result? And how did you feel about getting booed by a team? And and here's 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 a here's something I think, and I'll say this to you that I don't think a lot of people realize because it doesn't show up in the penalty minute column. You're one of the toughest fucking players I've ever played with in my entire life. Not fighting. I've never seen a guy get the shit beat out of him to go. You talk about going to hard areas. My God, man, your fucking welts on your body after games. I remember how much you hated Chara. Like, uh, you're like, give him a hundred million and get him out of the fucking league. It's not even fair. <laughs> I can, right, right. I can uh, remember that. But what was that day like for you? Because this was an organization that you gave a lot to. It was great. I mean, I was super excited to come back, not only to, you know, see some of the guys I played with, which I mentioned wasn't very many, but... <laughs> As you guys know, I think sometimes it's not just the guys you build relationship. You build better relationship with the training staff and the equipment guys and, you know, the PR guys and stuff like that. So for me, I was, you know, so excited to walk into that rink again, seeing the security guys, and you know, give them a hug and then, you know, change quick and then go and see uh, the whole staff, you know. So it was, it was an awesome day. And then uh, the media was, you know, fine, whatever it was fun being back and then uh yeah i was i don't I, I didn't know what to expect again i was there for that long and then when i did get booed i i didn't really care i'm like your team sucks and you're booing me like it wasn't even my choice anyways i never got offered an extension to stay or anything but so it was kind of like weird to me and i do think we ended up going on a shootout and i did the around the world high glove see you later uh game over <laughs> So that was did fun. You, it, it was did, it really, did you really do the around? I, the I can't so. remember. Oh, yeah. I think I had to. I, I, at, at that point, I'm like, okay, this is my one and only move. I'm going to have to do it just because you guys are booing me. That was not your one and only move. The I remember in Montreal. <laughs> Slapper, I remember slapper. Montreal that I don't know who the goalie was, that poor bastard, but that thing went in and out before he even moved. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I did have some moves, but. To me, in a shootout, I was like, man, I'm a good shooter. I'm going to be a shooter. So Who taught I, you that? Yeah. Who taught you that around the world move? I just taught myself. I was just kind of messing around. I think I was in 
God, in Rochester with Millsy, and Millsy kept dropping his glove hand. And then he, I remember him asking, he's like, the way you shoot, I can't read it, and you keep beating me over my glove. I'm like, I don't know what I do. I just kind of bring out the nine iron and chip under it, and it's, it works. And then, uh, you know, he kind of caught on and, you know, kept saving me and saving me. So I was like, all right, I got to do something else to get him off his game. And then I was just kind of going around the puck with it. And I'm like, God, this works really well. I got to start doing this. You had so. you had one of the most I don't want to say weird but just weird shooting styles. It was just, like goalies couldn't read it. Yeah, I, I, again, I don't know what and why that was. It's not you know my dad was my coach growing up, probably like a lot of other dads coached their kids, but my my dad never taught me how to shoot or anything. I think I just kind of he was the kind of coach who was like try it. Like you think I'm like dad, I look look at this. I can do a slapper. I was like seven. He's like yeah, try it, dude. It's awesome. And I just kept trying different things. Same with tipping. I mean, I worked on tipping pucks a ton, but I kept being trying to be more creative. And that's kind of the shot pass with Roisy. I remember in Rochester, I'm like, Roisy, when you're on a half wall, I think there's a seam. And I think if you just blast it on the ice at me, I can lift my skate and kind of slice under it. And I can, I can get that puck under the bar. So then we started working on it and I'm like, yeah, it works. Let's keep doing this. So I don't know. I just had that creative mind, I guess, of always trying to improve my game, but at the same time, improving my teammates as well. Gio, did you have a move? On the shootout? At all. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I like, there's a few. I mean, I, I can't. Oh, so, sorry, Mr. 48. Well, <laughs> yeah, it should have been a fifth. When you scored, when you guys, back. listen. How come you couldn't right get two more that year? Like on my screen, me and Van are on my right side, right? So this is the goal scoring side. The other one is not so much. <laughs> so I had off the wing, I loved a slapper far side, just over the pad. Uh, I love that. I scored a ton on that. Breakaways was, I loved forehand, backhand. You know what I mean? Like like Van, right? Like he came up with around the world to freeze him. You freeze him, you go to the backhand, you put it up. Like that was a go-to move. But you're, you're constantly having to adjust. Uh, I was a huge slapper guy like Van, right? Like I took a ton of them. If I had a chance, I was comfortable with my accuracy with it. Um, some guys are all snap, right? Some guys just, they're different. But for me, that's just what worked. And you, same thing. I had to create a spot, a niche in front of the net. Uh, I couldn't really screen. So I had to tip pucks. I had to be there for rebounds or or tip things by the goalie because I wasn't taking his eyes away. Every goalie looked over top of me. Banner, one of the cooler things I saw whoa, you do. Whoa, 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 what, what? What, what are you going to ask me about my move? No one gives a shit because you didn't have any. Okay. It was a two-hander across the ankle or the wrist. That he, was, he, Riz, was always move like every other dumbass D, right, Van? You give the puck back to the D-men at the blue line, and what do they do? They yeah. put it back around behind back the, the fucking net, and you got to go win it again against Chara. Well, I'll go do the work again, buddy. Don't worry about it. Just yeah. I just run it for you. Again. I bring it back to you, and you just throw it right back into oh, the shit again. I got to go battle Char day, again. Yeah. yeah, for you, day. live another day. Not for us. We, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to die another day. Suck it up, buttercup. Man, uh, one of the cooler moves I saw you do, I, I remember you were working in practice with tips. I don't know who was taking shots from the point. I'd never seen this before. When the puck was going on the opposite side of your blade, do you know what I'm going to say? I think you would, so. You would slide your your knob hand down and 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 use use your knob. You would try to like 
deflect pucks instead of bringing the stick on the other side of your body you would slide the shaft of your your stick down so you try to deflect it with the knob did you ever score like that i don't think i did i mean it's again it's, it was one of those things where i was like trying different things right i mean if, if, if i'm on my righty but if you know if my blade is way out to my right and the shot is coming to the left i'm like if i can just slide it over but i think it's one of those things where it's just i tried it multiple times i don't think i ever scored but uh Again, just trying to be creative, trying to find different ways to score and be productive. See the stick. Uh, Vanek stick. Not <laughs> much curve on it. No, no, not much curve Diff, on though. it. Was there, did you not have a big curve, man? No, no I just... Curve, I, Riff. Let me see that curve. It's a terrible curve. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, it, there, there's, there's ultimately no curve to it at all. And... Uh, it's it's a super 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 stiff stick. I don't know what the flex on this is, Van. Like, did you? Is this normally a? Did you like really stiff sticks? Yeah, I mean, when I first started, I think I was at a one fifteen or one twenty, and then as I got older, I kind of went down because my wrist got bad. But again, I just think it's it's different nowadays, right? Like, I look at my own kids, or I actually went and watched Geo's team um play here in minnesota when they were here and just the way the kids shoot is just so much different because of the technology yes. like when i grew up i didn't have a 30 flex when i was seven years old or eight years old i'm like you got a wooden stick that's you know the pro team used in austria and you cut it down and played with it so i think which is like a brick right exactly that was and that's kind of how i I think that's how I taught myself shooting. I mean, Austin Matthews, right? I mean, he's the best goal scorer in the league. I mean, the way he can snap that puck or Caprice off here in Minnesota, I've never seen that before. Yeah. But now I see a 10-year-olds do it, 12-year-olds do it, 15-year-olds do it. The way they can snap it from tight, from outside. I'm like, I, if I, I mean, I remember my last five years in the league, I tried, you know, going down to a 70 flex. I'm like, I'm going to shoot like this. I couldn't raise the puck. Yeah. I'm like, this doesn't work for <laughs> yeah. me. I'm like, what is happening? How can they like, do this? You have a lot of players right now in the National Hockey League that a lot of these guys, like when I played, I had a 110 flex stick, okay? The guys in the league now, so for an example, um, I went down to Florida a couple weeks ago. I ended up, I was telling Petey, I ended up getting a uh, Barkoff, a Huberdo, um, a Joe Thornton stick, which is like a brick, but Jeez, that's free for free there. That's pretty hey, good. Hey, and I yeah, he, I'm hey you know what he did, man? He sat outside and waited for them to drive by. He had two jerseys on. He asked to sign the top <laughs> one, pulled the under uh, the other one. <laughs> Sharpie in his mouth. Sharpie. And I asked him to only sign it in blue because then I can sell it right away. <laughs> but listen, their sticks are, are like 77, 85. Like Barkoff's like a 200 and what? 20 pound guy. Uh, he's 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 a big frame. He's a, he's he's... a massive beast, and he's he, like these guys are shooting with sticks that are like they're so flimsy con compared to what like what I used back in the day. But um, it just seems like it, um, Zach Bogosian. There was a stick uh, uh, the other day. Zach Bogosian had a stick. It was like an eighty-five flex. He's two hundred and twenty-five pounds. I mean, the 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 game. And that the technology has ch changed tremendously with the, the with these sticks, and everybody seems to be going a lot uh, wimpier with the sticks. Now, there's a lot more sticks being broken, right? But yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I was it's, the, it's crazy. 
I was the same way. I had a hundred flex and as I went on, I probably went down to like a 92, 93. But I think there's only like three curves that guys use nowadays, right? Like not like you got your off the market, you know, so it's like my son, he uses the P92 or whatever it is. Guys just start that way. They continue up through their career and they don't change it. Like we were crafting our wood sticks, heating them up, yeah. changing shaving them, them, shaving yeah. them. And you couldn't get, you couldn't get it the same each time, but you tried but like everyone was different because you couldn't get it there. Like we, so the curves were definitely way, way more variety to people's curves. I think now you got your standard three curves to your flat one. You got the mid range and you got the big hook. And I think guys play with the flexes. It's just way whippier of a stick. Now the way they shoot and how it releases off the stick is just way different than when we were, we were playing. I, Listen, I don't know how much the other difference day, it made, I was but. at the Harbor center. I had a Tage Thompson, 95 flex. Guaranteed I could score 30 in this league with that stick. I mean, I was scud missling these things. Like, absolutely. (laughs) Tage Thompson, I was the biggest supporter of Tage Thompson. Right, Petey? Help me out here. Now you're taking away his ability and you're yeah, taking now you're saying you're giving all the credit to, the to the 35. Guy scored 38 <laughs> goals with like an ungodly stick. It's all about the stick. Like I'm taking it all away. Tage Thompson had an average season. I'm going from uh, you know, an A plus <laughs> to bring him down to a B just because of his stick. I, that's the one thing I would have changed. I don't know how much difference it would have made, but I would have I would have changed my stick. I I, I absolutely would have changed my curve, my flex, my lie the length, everything. I would have, you know, Banner, you used a shorter one, didn't you? Yeah, I always, I like short sticks. It's yeah. just, again, again, it's, it's for, it was for my game. It's just the tipping, yeah. you know, you got to be in tight. The rebounds are in your feet. So I, I'm a but, firm believer. I, I get shit on all the time for it. Everyone's going longer sticks. I think shorter sticks are the way to go. Better puck handling ability, all of that stuff. Um, this has been an, uh, a great conversation, but I, I we got to talk. Uh, we got to talk some some you know playoffs right now, and you know I guess number one, did you guys see fucking Crosby got elbowed in the head last night? That was not an elbow to the head. That was Truba just coming through. Come that was on, not an elbow Gio. to the head. That's not an elbow to the head. He He's coming through the middle. He's coming through nowadays. the middle of the ice in the slot, and Truba comes up and finishes. Like Crosby's down, you know what I mean? Like that is not an egregious hit to me. Like that is not suspend, suspend, suspendable. That's just finishing his hit in the slot, a guy cutting across, you know what I mean? That was not late. It was not, I don't even think it was that high. Like he just. Who the fuck is hitting Sidney Crosby? Like what? He's unhittable now? Yeah, he's like. Oh, he's coming, in the, he's coming into the slot. I can only stick check him. 100%. And then he's going to make you look like a fool? Well, like he's hittable. Like Have you guys watched Kuba like, play hockey this year? That's his game. Like you got to be aware, right? You guys talk about it all the time. Like guys have to be aware on the ice. Truba has killed people this year. That's his game. Who were you aware of? Who were like you ever get smoked, Van? Did you ever get like, your clock cleaned in a hit? Yeah, uh, probably the biggest one was uh, Volchenkov from Ottawa. Uh, he was. I mean, that team was tough and he i don't know for some reason he did not like me and he would he would step up on me all the time he was really good at it he was one of those where you on the breakouts you look he's on the blue line and the second later he you know he had a he was a big frame step down and he just crushed me a few times yeah when yeah. you look at the hit pd this is all on Sidney crosby this does not you know 
obviously Truba is a big man. Um, he is not getting out of out of way of contact. And when he ran into Sidney Crosby, Sidney Crosby put himself in a bad position to kind of twist and turn. I agree. I think right. I think and Sid saw him coming late and tried getting out of the way and just ran into it. it it's it's interesting. What we'll never know this information. We'll never ever get this information. But I'd like to know what the actual um, injury is. I do not think it's a concussion. Um, it could be just about anything. It could be wrist. It could be shoulder. It could be knee. It could be groin. It could be back. Like there's so many things in this hit with the way that Sidney Crosby tried to kind of dodge the dodge the check a little bit. I don't know what this what this injury is, and it's very concerning to me that Sidney Crosby did not come back in that game. Doesn't that make you think it's a head? No. I don't think it's a head at all. I think it's an upper body as well. Again, I think the yep. way his you, you look at his shoulder, I don't know. It could could be something there. I don't think it's his legs because, I mean, the way the guy moves, I think he's used to being in a different position, the way he opens his hips and something. So I don't yep. I don't think it's that. I do think it's it's an upper body. I think it's – I don't know if it's, again, like wrist. It tweak, could be anything, really. I, I think it's a shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know, shoulder, like right? you, he could have like the way he turned and positioned his body to kind of get out of the check could be stomach muscle, could be lower back. Like you do not know. And I'm going to tell you, we will never know until the series is over. We won't know what happened to Sidney Crosby. I'm going to tell you this by him not coming back. You saw the difference in the game. It's a massive advantage for the Rangers. Massive. If he's out, they don't win the series because that line has been the best line in the playoffs, I think, with Gensler and Rust. Yep. And they're just out of sync once they yep. once they lost him. They're just out of sync. Nothing was clicking for him. Well, I think the whole team, I mean, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, your, your captain and your star just went down. You know, I mean, it probably shook him up mentally a little bit too. I mean – Every time a team loses their best player, they're like, fuck, what are we going to do? I know Pittsburgh has done that in years past, but not like that last night. I don't know. It had a different, definitely had a different feel to it. I don't know. I picked the Rangers, though, with uh, with uh, Drew's old team. How about Drew, man? Hey, Vanner, Drew's building the team there. Fuck, they're, they're turning around. I think they're going to win this series, too, but... He's, well, yeah, uh, yeah, he's. It's a great team. I think he... I mean, Gio can speak more of it. I was only Montreal a little bit with... Um, with Gallant, and I mean, that's a great hire. That's a guy you want to play for. I mean, I remember meeting him. I remember asking Gio because the coaches had a meeting in Montreal, and Gallant was just walking around and having a coffee. And I was like, like Gio, what is, what's his deal? Why isn't he in the meeting? And Gio goes, he's the best. He doesn't have to be. I'm like, all right, sounds good. I like this guy. <laughs> well, it was that, and the, the whole coaching staff was spoke French, right? So literally, right. he'd come out of those meetings and be like. They spoke French the whole time. I sat there in the corner, didn't understand a thing, what was going on. Like, he was he was awesome. That guy was the best. I wish I had him as a head coach. Like, he's awesome. Like, nothing but high, high, high praise for that guy. 3-2 yeah, okay. going back to, what, Pittsburgh? Who's going to win this series? If Sanders Crosby plays. Crosby plays, Pitt wins. If not, it could be New York easily. The you, big don't think, you don't think that the, the Rangers have enough on this team 
to win the next two games to 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 get by the Penguins, even if Sidney Crosby plays. Well, they they definitely do because the injury. But I think their chances are really really slim if when Crosby's if Crosby comes back and he's able to perform. It's tough to stop them. It's really tough. I still think the Rangers can win that series even with Crosby's back just because of sheer goaltending. You know, elimination game for um, for Domingue, who's never been in a spot like that. What are your He's thoughts uh, tomorrow? What are your thoughts on uh, Alex uh, Lafreniere and Kapokaku and and uh, what is it, Seetel? Philip uh, Heetel? Um <laughs> You tell us, Craig. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I want to know. What, what, what do you want to know? What, what are you looking want? for? Well, when you're watching, when you're watching this line, you have, you know you have your Panarin and uh, Zabanajad and Kreider and Strom. Their their top guys are are continuing. You know Andrew Cop, who did has done great things, but this third line, when this third line, this young line is pumping. The Rangers are a dangerous team because you cannot just win with Panarin and, you know, you can't just con- continue to go to the well with your top guys. In order to win, you have to have that secondary third scoring. And when that young line is going, when they are going, they are very, very, very good. I just think like I'm, I think that's where. The Rangers lied. They have great goaltending. Yes, we know that we have. They have some great defense. We know they have. But if you're going to win this series, it you have to have that third line, that young line, show up. I, I think, think that's the difference maker for sure. And it has been right. Like as it's gone along, each game they are getting more and more involved. Right. Like, and that if they continue, they win this series that line is just going to continue to get better, more experienced in these playoffs and start to get some momentum through the playoffs, right? Like yes. you saw in the first couple games, they're okay. You know what I mean? But as it's gone along here, they've gotten better and better each night and made more of an impact every night that they're playing. And it's because they're getting more experience. They're learning it. They're, they're, they're feeling the playoff atmosphere and they're just continuing to use that momentum and, and get better and better. So but, what's, why, but why is that? Why what do you is mean, that? Why is it? I think it's it's the reason that line is getting better and better and better. They're all playing the other. They're they're all playing pits. You know, who yes, they're going but against. It's, it's coaching no pressure. If, oh yeah, it's coaching uh, for for Gallant to keep putting that line out there. That's that's big time for those kids to be like, okay, the coach trusts us because you guys all know you have played for old school coaches. You think that line would have played? A young line would have played in the playoffs? They would have gotten two shifts and be like, you guys are done. And I think that's coaching. That is that is absolutely great coaching. By now, I think it's trust it's from the coach. Too. I think it's confidence and trust from a coach, right? So when you have right. that as a player, you're always going to perform better. You're always going to be looser and be able to relax and play your game rather than be uptight and – does that thought process, Van, come come from your experiences in 0506? Well, I mean, it's not just that. I think it's in general. It's it's even it's it's. I mean, and I texted you guys the other day in the group chat with Andrew Burnett pulling the goalie with three minutes left. I'm like, they're gonna win the game now because 
that's that's big time coaching, new age coaching, believe in trust in your players. Be like, hey, we're not going to wait for the last 40 seconds like the old generation used to do. No, we're going to go and win this fucking now or we're going to tie it up now and then we're going to win. Or or we're going to lose. Or we're going to lose. Big deal. But he puts the onus and the trust in the players and not looking at the clock and be like, okay, we got to wait until we get up, you know, ozone face off, 40 seconds left, and then we drop a miracle play. No, we got three minutes left. We got got an ozone draw. Let's put the pressure on him right now. And I think that makes a big, big difference. And and the players, they made a a view to coach. Sorry. I I don't – it's timing, right? But I think it's more, right, situational. Offensive zone draw. You got your your top six – seven guys rested. You know what I mean? Like who cares if it's a minute left or three minutes left when you have that opportunity, you might not get it. You, you pass on that, that offensive zone chance. And you're like, yeah, we'll pull them in a minute and a half. Well, maybe you don't get that chance. Maybe you don't get the stoppage of play. Maybe you don't get the offensive zone draw. Maybe your top guys aren't rested anymore. You know, like that's, I think situational awareness for that coach. That's where he gets it. Before we uh, uh, shift over to the other another series here, Riv, uh, how do you say the Rangers goalie's name? Sturkin. <laughs> what is it? There you go. Good start. Chesterkin. Okay. Sure. Close. Sure. Sure. Vladimir. Hey, I get. I got it right. If if the Oilers lose, you think McDavid wants out of Edmonton? No. Have you seen his house? It's absolutely <laughs> sick. He can build that wherever he goes. Yeah, he can he's, pretty much he's have fine. it. He ain't going anywhere. Does he want out? Probably. Is he going somewhere? No. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's nothing's gonna happen in the short term for sure. Van, when you got your when you got your offer sheet from Edmonton, mm-hmm. were you like, fuck, why has it gotta be Edmonton? <laughs> no, no, not at all, actually, because I played. Uh, my first year when I was 14, I moved over. I played uh, in Lacombe, Alberta, which is just outside of Red Deer, about two hours from Edmonton. So, and I loved it. I mean, I say I was 14. I grew up in Austria. I, I'm used to the snow. I'm used to the cold. And so, so I knew what I was getting into it. But I was more looking at that time as a young kid. I'm like, that team is really good. Why wouldn't I want to join it? All right. All right, fair enough. I uh, I guess I didn't take all that into consideration about you know the Austrian. And I, I you did tell us last time you were on with us too that you uh, you lived with a family in in Alberta, but I just I, we, we have Jr. on all the time and we talk like Edmonton just has a really tough. Even with McDavid and Drysital, it's hard to lure free agents there. I mean, it just it really is. I mean, you take Buffalo and Edmonton and you put them on the same playing field if they're both very good. I think. Buffalo gets more players to come and play there than Edmonton, in my opinion. hundred percent. I think, I mean, you look at our Sabres teams. It's, it's, it wasn't free agent signings that were good. I mean, you got to give Darcy credit, right? Good drafts and also good trades. I mean, that's, that's what teams like Buffalo now, in my opinion, if they want to get good, you got to trade for players. You can't sign them. And maybe I'm wrong, but that's no, just, I, I, I think you get into a slippery slope when you're trying to sign free agents, right? Like it's, you can supplement here and there, but the big splash in free agency is, is really hard to make nowadays uh, with the cap and everything involved. You got a home grow 
your players and hope to make hockey trades like Van saying. I, I don't think you're wrong, Van. I think you're you're the days of going out and signing four or five guys to change your team in a in off season just don't happen anymore. You think uh, the Sabres with those three draft picks this year should go and move a couple of them, one of them or whatever, to try to acquire future pieces? Absolutely. Instead of waiting for these young first-rounders who take two, three, four years to, to establish and get into your lineup, just trade them out and go bring a guy in right now that, that'll, that's under contract, that has, you know, it's in his mid-20s. But they're finally in a position to do it, right, Petey? Mm-hmm. Like they have the young prospects that are that you're grooming for your three to four years out, but you also have draft picks now that you can leverage for trades for players for immediate use. In years past, they didn't have the prospects coming along. They had draft picks, but you start to turn those. Now you you do, you no longer are filling your young prospect pool in the minors you're just trading those off for, for quick band-aid fixes. It doesn't work. Now that you have your, your young guys, your Krebs, your Quinns, your uh, Samuelsons, like you start to have these guys that are going to hit in two to four years. Now you can start to make some trades with these high picks to try to get a guy that uh, immediately helps your team, but then in the future is still going to be there to, to help these young guys when they hit, if that makes sense. No, it, three first it rounders, three first rounders this year. How many? How many of those picks will the Sabers actually pick this year? <laughs> That's what happens <laughs> when you take a piss in the middle of a show. Hey, Riv, you miss you miss a conversation. You're yeah, I, think, I think it, it again. We we can all be you know our coach GMs and whatever like people do, but until you know which players are even available. It's tough to sit here and be like, oh, I'm going to trade this first rounder yeah, for yeah. this guy. Yeah. And then I'm going to go sign Philip Forsberg and this and this. You don't know anything. I think the Buffalo Sabres to get better have to do the trade route, in my opinion. Yeah. But you you guys watch more Sabres hockey than, than I do. But I did watch several games down the stretch and the team looked great. But a big thing to me is always it's a lot easier to play when you know and by – November, you're out of the playoffs. Those last 20 games, they're just yeah. for fun. That's, I mean, especially it seems like a good group. I mean, they come, have fun at the rank, and what happens if they lose? Instead of picking ninth, they maybe pick sixth, which would have been good. So yeah. I want to see them at the start of the year, the first 20 games. Can you play the same way? Can you win the same way? That, that I think, will be telling. What changes would you be making, though, Van? Like what areas? Uh, what areas do the Sabers need to make the next jump? Well, and I don't think, in my opinion, it's too early to tell what changes to make because playing good at the end of the year when it's meaningless can be that, deceiving. That's easy. Like can can a can a Thompson score, you know, right away eight nine goals in the first twenty five games and produce wins or. You know, Olafson had a lot of gay, you know, a lot of goals late. Well, can you score early when we need wins? Teams are playing you different too. Like they're, uh, you know, like when you're a good team, you know. I mean, we've all been on good teams. The, your opponent, a bad team, raises their level to play against a good team, and good teams raise their level even more to play against good teams. Cause as you go down the stretch, you guys know the, the points are more crucial. It's just, I agree with you, Van. I mean, like I, I'm not going to go as far as say that it's smoke and mirrors, but the true test is the first 20 games next year. 
hundred percent of this. I mean, you you can't tell me right now that that that's we're close to a playoff team when you haven't been close to the playoff in a long time. And just because you played good hockey the second stretch when it didn't matter anymore, I mean, it mattered for them internally to watch their guys grow. Don't get me wrong; it's yeah, really yeah. good, yeah. but it matters at the start of the year because if you lose the first. 12, 13 games out of the 25 and you're under 500. Well, guess what? You're already eight, nine points back probably. And then it's, what is it again? Then it's another year of oh, our young guys need to get better. I mean, I, that's, I cannot stand that. I remember even when I played, when people would say, oh, they're still young. When, when do you, are you not young? I feel like nowadays the guys have played, you know, they played 19 or 18 and they're 25 and they're still considered young. When does that end? When does young end? How many games do you have to play until you're not considered young anymore? It's an interesting point. Interesting question. Like Darlene, um, uh, Darlene ton of Grove, still young. I mean, that, when was he? How long has he been in the league now? He's been in the league four years. So how many games is that? Four H of thirty-two. I don't know, three hundred I mean, something. Yeah, three hundred. Yeah, I'm not saying that he can't get better. He, he for sure can still get better, but. I mean, that's a lot of games, no? He's uh, going to get better when the team gets better. Correct. You not but, think? Oh, 100%. But it's, it's, but he's going to get, that's why, that's exactly it. He's going to get better when you get better players around him. Not because he's going to get older or he's not young considered anymore. That, that, that's my whole point is your team gets better when you have better players. It's as simple as that. Not just because a 22 year old is all of a sudden 25. That's <laughs> It's a good point. He played 277 games so far. I mean, that's some guys, you know, only play that in a career. You know what I mean? And they're in the league for a certain amount of years. It, it, it's a great point you make, Van. It, it, it really is. Well, that goes to my point of like, when, when do you actually start to, because there are, there are some holes on this team. The team has a lot of great, great players. Okay. And we're talking about youth. We're talking about young Dylan cousins been in the league two years. Uh, Krebs just finished his first full year in the national hockey league. Casey Middlestat, who's been around, he's not a young guy anymore. We can't continue to just, even though he's 22 turning 23, I still think that that's young, but at what point do you go out and make the trade? that we're talking about right now to solidify at least two full lines of top, top six players. You, you make it when it's the right, the right player comes along. People think, oh, just go make a trade for this. Go make a trade for that. Well, Gio, it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. This year. It just does not happen. Well, you have to identify. That's your, your pro scouting staff, your general manager, your assistant general manager, that's their job to have identified 15 guys that are going to make your team better that you would go after. Now you have to see if they're available. Now you have to see if you can make a deal that if you have something to give back for them and whether that makes sense, if, it, if it's the right worth, if it's the right deal, they're going to go and do it. But it, it just doesn't come along because you want a second line center teams aren't calling you and be like, Hey, Riz, I know you want a second line center. This is what I got for you. It, it, it's, it takes time to, to figure out the right pieces and you don't rush it. And I think Kevin's figured that we, we've seen what Kevin can do with the Jack trade and being patient and making sure he gets the right pieces for that trade. Right. So 
it's not going to happen in every trade, but you need to be patient with identifying the players in the league that you want and would have on your team that would make your team better. And now you have to figure out how much is that going to cost us moving forward? Is it the right move for the organization at this time? I don't, I, okay. I said this to, to Riv before. I don't I, look a guy, the guy had to go and you had to move him. You were up against the clock, but I still don't think the return for Reinhardt was enough. Now that you look back and see what he got, you got a 28th pick and a, and a, Riv said yesterday, you got a future goalie, potential future goalie who's not signing to come out of college to play for you yet. You know, okay, it's but, like, the, the, but the, the Thompson deal looked like shit when O'Reilly went on and was a Conn Smythe winner, wins the cup, everyone's shitting on the deal that was made. Now that Thompson's coming of age, you're like, oh shit, we got a 35, 40 goal scorer in our system now for a, we have at, a at, one year. I, what I'm saying, I, I, I get what it is. And we I'm already not, gave what, that what credit I'm saying to the is, stick. Exactly. All I'm saying is everyone shit on that deal right away because Thompson didn't come in and make an impact. You have to let the deals yeah. fall, right? Like the Gomez <laughs> trade to freaking Montreal. It was not the right trade. They got rid of McDonough and you know what I mean? Like now McDonough's a stud, but yep. you don't know that for years out. You don't know that for a few years till these guys come through <clears throat> and you figure out what they are. I understand the situation Kevin's in. He's about patience. He's about letting this marinate. I, on the other hand, hand, uh, I don't want to wait. I want a fucking <laughs> better player. I'm I'm part of the fan base. I'm not I'm not Kevin Kevin Adams freaking staff in the in the okay. war room. I want shit done now. I don't want to and, and they do too. They want to make the playoffs now too. Yeah, but not as much they as haven't. me though. Not Clearly, the fan base. <laughs> yeah, Rivs, Rivs. Let me ask you though. You, you. I don't think you remember what you say the day before. Sometimes because the last time I listened to you guys about the Savers rant, you're like, "What are you talking about?" There's like two spots open, and that's that's what I don't understand. What moves like, you gonna make? Yeah, but but why is there only two spots Someone open? Fucking like you. If if I can, Banner. it's like it's like Geo said, right? If if I'm like, oh my god, this guy's available. He's gonna make our team. And it's going to take us trading Casey Middlestead away. I'm making that deal. Well, listen, we talked about. Hey, Van, no, Rich, shut up. Hey, Van, you're a big movie. You're a big movie guy. Me, myself, and Irene. Van oh, is, man. or uh, Riv is Charlie and Hank. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, uh, he just fucking. Today he's Charlie, tomorrow he's Hank. I mean, no, it's I, like. Listen, a couple days ago, I said that on this team we have we have a couple spots available and i think that we have a really really young core that is just it's really fantastic very positive moving forward but at what point in time do you go and find and this is guy i mentioned uh, the other day you guys tell me what you think about it and i'm not taking the credit for it because i read it on twitter and i actually said i think this i think this is excellent but uh travis connectney from philadelphia like he, he is a fantastic hockey player. He's kind of like a guy that would fit, I think, exceptionally well. He's still only like 24, 25 years old. He's going to be coming into the best part of his career. And he's looking, he wants out of Philly. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. That's a good player. Again, if, if, if a player like that comes along and a deal can be made, but is he taking one of your two spots that you're talking about? Or is he going to take a guy that you think is, uh, you know, 
penned in or ready for next year? Um, I suck on that riff. No, it I'm all depends on the on deal. It all I'm depends on the deal on and what they're looking for. That's why you can't you can't project it. Like you, you yeah. don't know what is who's available and what they're looking for, whether it makes sense or not. You know what I mean? Like it's Kevin wants to, Kevin right wants to make the playoffs. Team. Yes, absolutely. He wants to make the playoffs, but he has to decide whether the player that's available is going to help that situation or if it's going to set you back as far as your longevity of that. Like, I, I still think the whole thing starts with goaltending. If you don't have a goaltender going into next season, I don't care what move you make, you ain't going to touch the playoffs. So that's got to be your first upgrade. That, that in your first 20, 30 games next year determines where you sit as a team and how close you really are to that playoff, right? So I think you add a goaltender, you see what other pieces you can add, and then you kind of figure out what team you are come next year and whether you need to really take a hard look at some some guys that are going to be with your team long-term or not be with your team. We've been uh, we've been going for over you know an hour and a half here, so I, I don't want to take up, uh, or we, I shouldn't say, it's not um, just mine, eh, Riv? But we, um, we don't want to take up all your time, fellas. So, you know, I want to, I, I got to go back to the conversation that we were having the other night in the group chat, and we'll move on from the Sabres here, and we'll save the best for last year. Leafs, Tampa Bay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thomas, why don't you I'll tell watch us tonight? That. I'm just going to wait for game seven. You think that's going to happen? You think you think Leafs are going to going to blow it? Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I can't wait. Like I said, I hate I'm, the Leafs too, I'm, and my brother's with Tampa, so I, I'm rooting for Tampa here. Would love to see Toronto fall. Love yeah, it. It's 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 like I told Ribs. It's going to be awesome. Like I said, I'm not even going to watch Game Six. I'm already looking forward to Game Seven here. On, when is it Saturday? Well, you it's know what be. happened. You know what happened in that city after Game Five win. Like they're cup ready. They're gonna get it uh, off their back. Like it's close the series out. Let's see what happens. And why know, do you feel, and, Why do you feel they're gonna blow it again, Van? Do you not think they have the team right now to, to do, do it? And that's the only thing. You know what? I, I don't like the Leafs, but they are fun to watch. I mean, you talk about that Marner and Matthews. God, those are special players. So, do I? want them individually to do well yeah because they're fun to watch but sorry guys you guys aren't the leaves like it's just not gonna happen <laughs> yeah the the three uh popcorn emojis uh riv brought it up yesterday he just he just thinks it's unbelievable you think they're gonna falter again i i can't imagine that fan base and what happens in Toronto if they end up losing this series did i you mean see, do you see all nothing the, happens the they'll do it again next year all the fans in the stands when they were down to nothing. Oh, it was God. just like these people. It was not a, it, it was so enjoyable for me to watch um, because I'm laughing. Um, but then all of a sudden Toronto turns this thing around and smokes them and the people, Oh man, it was just, it was a bad night for me because I hate, but Toronto me believe fan. I, I, that's, I that's, so that's every fan based. All right. Like, yeah, uh, but their body of mine went to the wild game and I think it was game one against the blues. And I talked to him the next day. He goes six minutes into the game. He, you know, people around him were like yelling. He's like, 
Mark Alder Flory, he sucks. Why is he playing? Right. I mean, that's a, that, that guy's got three Stanley Cups, a Hall of Famer, and this this guy is just ripping him six minutes into game one. He is just laughing. Yeah. I, no, I'm just, no. I'm just, I'm literally, I, I pray, I, I just want one thing. I, I want one thing in this series is I would love nothing more than to watch um, the Tampa Bay Lightning come out and absolutely spank the Toronto Maple Leafs in game six. And then I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to take my hat off, my hatred hat for the Leafs. I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to say, just, just let the best team win, overcome. And if it's the Leafs, then you know what? As much as I hate their fan base, let's move on to the next round and we can watch that team uh, play in the next round. At least we're going get, to get to watch Mitch Marner and, and Austin Matthews and, and uh, all those players. There, there's a lot of players on that team that are actually playing some good hockey right now. So, But I would love nothing more. I would love nothing more to see a Game 7 in that series. Gio, I'm, so, I'm sorry to say this because your brother's with Tampa, but he's won two cups with him, so I, I, I'm not really sorry. But I, 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 I want the Leafs to win. Because I, I I like watching hockey when the Leafs are are playing and when the Leafs are good. And all right, let's move on then. No, we, we know that. <laughs> no, but listen, I think they are going to Ray Finkel this. I think they are going to. I think they're going to blow it again. And I just it, to me, I don't think it even comes down to the talent on the ice. I just think I don't know if if I I. I I just think it's the pressure of Toronto and the media and the fans. And I know that every team has it, but the players will put it on themselves more than anybody else. And I just, I don't know. I see an implosion coming. I don't, I don't see that necessarily, to be honest. I think if I look at it, I think Toronto does end up winning no matter how much I hate them and don't want them to for personal reasons. But I do think they're able to win this series. And then they move past their jinx. Uh, not necessarily in game six. No, no, no. I just I think that they do prevail here. I think a lot more pressure comes if there's a game seven. That shit starts to build, like Petey's talking about the self talk within that the players. Uh, it definitely is is going to amplify things. So I'm I would love a game seven too. Well, we'll have to. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait. We'll be on the text tonight. Well, I'm sure I look forward to. Well, Vanner, you're not going to watch the game, but I mean, I'm I'm dialed right into that one. Um, thanks, boys. Thanks. Can't thank you enough for coming on today, Van. You got your new microphone. We'll uh, we'll reimburse yeah. you for that. Yeah, I'll send you my Venmo. <laughs> well, send us the uh, send us the invoice. Can you uh, you come on again next week? Sure. Yeah, that's fun. I like it. Do you? Oh, by the way, I do, I do have to say, uh, Glenn Healy. I don't think I've ever met him. That guy needs his own show. He is he is unbelievable. I mean, what a storyteller! What charisma! Yeah. I mean, it, it was. I mean, I knew you know TV. The, the, I knew the whole background, but I really never listened to him. Did you ever Speak. listen to him as an analyst? I did. Was, uh, yes, I thought he yes. was incredible. Oh, he. I mean. You guys nailed it. What what's what we have nowadays to to what it used to be? It's a shame because the game now is just so fun to watch. It's just sometimes gets ruined. But that's a whole different topic. But he is. You PK guys, Subang needs. I'm going to tell you this. He needs. They should be paying him nine million dollars to be an analyst on ES fucking PN because he is unbelievable. Chris Chelios, Chris Chelios, and PK Subang. 
absolutely fantastic. I agree. I think PK is, uh, I played with PK, so I've, I've always liked him. I mean, he is, yep. he's a tremendous speaker. He's, he's well-spoken. He knows what he's doing. He's, he's not afraid of the moment. You know, he's not shy. He is, yes. he is who he is. And I think that's great for the game. So I, I do, I do agree with you. I think he's doing a great job, but we I, need more of that. And it's I not can't tell job. you how many people message me about the Healy interview as well. And I mean, we've done, we've yes. done a hundred shows and it's amazing how many people I've had former players that listen still. And they reached out and they're like, your Healy interview was one of the best I've heard. Yeah. Like the story. Like again, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I, I do enjoy this here and I'm not a public speaker. I'm like Rivs. I'm kind of all over the place, but Glenn Healy, Wow, that was impressive. Like he should be. Uh, do you guys ever watch the Golf Channel? David Faraday, like he does yeah. his little shows with guys. Yeah, that's what Glenn Healy should do for hockey. Faraday might be one of the greatest interviewers, not just sports. Yes, I mean ever. It, like, I can see Glenn Healy doing that on the hockey side, like yeah. stuff like this, and yeah. he would be awesome at it. I mean, the stories that guy had was just the way he brings them over and it, it was fantastic. Good job. Uh, my, uh, my favorite story he told was about Messier when um, uh, the guy who was picking up the towels in the locker room and shining the shoes and they weren't going to give him a ring. And he said, well, if he doesn't get a ring, give him mine. And they, they gave him a ring. Mm -hmm. That was, uh, that's one of the cool. And he stories. passed away the next year. Right. Yeah. yeah that, was, that was, yeah, really cool. Let's yeah. go Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's awesome. He's what a, what a storyteller. Yeah, no, he's, he's great. He's great for the game. He's great for the players. He's always been a player's guy. You know what, Van, I'll say this and Riv and I, we joke about it. I mean, obviously if you listen the way you, you say you do, you've, you've heard us talk about our conversations with you and text message and things like that. And, and that you listen to the show and um, uh, it means a lot. It really does. And we, we appreciate your feedback and, and not only that, but coming on, I mean, you know, taking the time out of your day, we know you're busy, <laughs> you know, you know, all right, I mean? let's, let's, let's not reach here. Busy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, kids are still in school for another month. I so know I was being sarcastic, but no, we, we, uh, we do appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you listening and, and, uh, means a lot. So no, thanks. we appreciate, I, mean, I, your I, I still consider criticism. myself a guest still, but I think Gio needs a different title. See, that's what I, I, I knew you were on my Gio. side, buddy. In that group yeah. text, you stuck up for me. Well, Weekly well. correspondent. It's got to be like a Thursday no Gio guess. day or something. Craig texts me and he goes, did you call Gio uh, a weekly correspondent? I go, I can't remember. And he goes, well, those aren't my words. <laughs> he goes, I don't even know what a correspondent is. <laughs> All right, boys, yeah. this has been All a right. lot of fun. We'll, uh, we'll do it again. Sounds good. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle. And at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76. And you can find us as you already know on Apple, Spotify and YouTube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.